Welcome to the Find and Follow podcast, where we believe life is in the light, spiritual darkness is the enemy, and finding and following Jesus is the best way to live life. I'm Scott Langhans, your host, joined today by Craig and Kyle, the co-hosts. Today was an incredible episode on the podcast, and I say that because we've already recorded it, but I forgot to push record on the better quality audio, so I apologize for the technical sound quality. Hopefully it's doable for you and you can listen along because I think it was beneficial. It was beneficial for us and I think it'd be beneficial for you. So here we go with the podcast. We are back at it today, hanging out on a real sunny Wednesday morning. It's beautiful. It's been we're great. Having. I'm excited for sunshine. Might be, might be a little last little tail end. Oh, don't start in on that, negative Nancy. We're enjoying what we have today. Yeah, great. Today. Nancy, yeah, instant negative Nancy. There we go. We are talking about it. Forty percent chance of rain tomorrow. You didn't even know this was such a great setup, but that's one of the things that we're going to talk about today. Is what do we do when we face a little setback in life? Like rain, the setback. Well, just a metaphor. Work with me on this. Like we're enjoying. It was almost eighty degrees last weekend. Was ridiculous, right? And so we think summer's coming. It's here. We just shorts a t-shirt. We all. But all those still mid April, still the still the yard work, got the yard ready. April showers, yeah. I ran my so we haven't like had like any April. I mean, no, we we've had a really dry spring. Very much so. March and April, I was actually talking to a local farmer who, you know, watches that really closely. And he said, "Oh, we're in the farmer almanac world." Well, he said, "Yeah, really dry spring so far. Not good for the farmers." Yeah, he's running his business, yep. which is they, depending they, on what guys God's doing on the. Yeah, well, okay, so don't mess, don't mess with my metaphor here, but we do want to, we're going to get into the story today, but just in life, like, it's sunny, it's perfect, we're thinking, you know, we're easy sailing here for the next three, four months, it's summer, head to the beach soon, and then we face a setback, and what do we do there? Um, how do we handle that? And we'll, that's, yeah, what, that's what Peter did. What do we What do, we do, and how do we handle that, and how do we get back on, on track, and, um, you know, so I think that's, that's a large part of what I want to talk about today as we look at the story, but... Uh, it's still going to be super nice today. Going to try to get out the old golfing, uh, the old golfing uh, with Wyatt. We've been on this Wednesday night kick. Amy's taking the kids to Fusion. Yeah, siblings have a mm-hmm. phenomenal place to be. So they're gone for a couple, three hours, and Wyatt and I like look at each other like, "Well, you want to go golfing?" So the two of us go out and walk nine holes. Answer ever no from Wyatt. Um, no, no, it's never no. It's usually like a hesitation. He's Sometimes he's like tired or he's got to think through process it. Well, I'm like, well, I'm going golfing. Do you want to come? He's like, oh yeah, oh, for yeah. sure. Yeah, he's, I just hope he doesn't beat me. Last week we golfed on a par four. He drove it, it was a, it was a marginal drive. I'm trying to play it down a little bit. Marginal drive because he was just left of the green kind of in the rough behind a bunker. And then of course he just chips it right over the bunker, catches the edge of the rough so it slows it down, it trickles onto the green. He's got an 18 foot uphill putt and just sinks it. Wow. So uphill. Uphill, little break to the right, birdied that, felt like a champ. And uh, I think I had like five on that hole. Wow. <laughs> so, or maybe six. <laughs> I think I might have three putted that one. Those three putts will get you. They will. Anyway, so yeah. Um, but that's where we're at in the story as we're wrapping it up today. Maybe. What? Are we? Who knows? We've been in John for a year and just following the eyewitness account of Jesus. You know, the whole podcast is to help everybody listening in 
discover who they are in Christ and what it really means to follow him and take some action on that. So whether you're you're on the treadmill or working or running the kids around. I mowed the lawn for the first time last you're, week. You're on the mow already. Yeah, oh. I, I needed it. Yeah. Uh, and I didn't listen to this podcast, but I did listen to like two different podcasts while I was mowing the lawn. It's a like mow's a good time. You mow yet, Craig? Not yet. Yeah, I'm going to... This week, yeah, yeah. I had a lot of cleanup to do. I got to add some branches and some leaves and all that kind of stuff. And so instead of like blowing them and begging them, I did the old mulch, mulch it up. And yeah, my yeah. backyard. I'm usually behind the people that are on the valley floor because our elevation and the fact that it's shaded by the house, my lawn doesn't perk up for a couple of weeks after most other lawns. Yeah, our backyard is pretty uh, lush, and so it needs a mow. I'm like, it, it, it's ten minutes of mowing or. Backyard's kind of our side yard. We have a weird lot layout. Our so backyard is our side yard. Yeah, yeah our front yard. Yeah. Our side yard is like super big, but it's really kind of where our property is. I've actually been putting the water to my grass because it got really, really dry. Uh -huh. And normally I wouldn't even think about watering. I wouldn't even fire up the scooter system in April. Yeah, I'm, I'm probably doing it tonight. Like, Speaking of other podcasts, Adam Orson launched a podcast today. Right. Yeah, Corey Kispert's going to be on. Uh, quick 30 second zag update. They locked in like the number one recruit in the nation. Okay. Seven foot one kid who needs to eat 12 cheeseburgers a day between now and next season. Oh, yeah, he's the he's, he'll meet on him. Uh, yeah, I don't know what his official weight is. He might be listed at 190 and he's seven foot seven one. Seven foot yeah. one. I'm like, bro. Oh, that's a screen beat. He's a high school kid, so his metabolism is through the roof. Oh, of course. So he's got to bulk up. But number one recruit, and then they locked in. A point guard that maybe is better than Suggs as a point guard. So next year, looking um, pretty good. Looking pretty solid for national champs next year. We'll have full Zag updates all next year for everybody. Anyways, I, I yeah, Kispert put it out there. He's on on the podcast. Morrison called the perimeter. I don't know if it's going to be what it's like. Just conversations with Adam knows a bunch of people. You but, think you think Adam's going to be on his podcast pushing our podcast? I will send him a message. There's a one-way street here. <laughs> one-way street. I'm going to go with that. Is it? I don't know. Challenge accepted. All right. Cool. <laughs> Shout out to the Thunder Full of Bucks. Shout out to those guys. Who are, I don't know. I just I tried to download it and air it out on uh, on me this morning. So maybe he's got like podcast issues. We got we got 46 episodes out there. So pretty big deal. Pretty big deal. Way ahead of Mo. As the people who know call them, I guess. Anyways, I'll let you know if I'm ever on the podcast. For your perimeter shooting. Call in Scott Langhans, one of the best perimeter shooters out there. They're like, who? What? Why is he on there? So, uh, should we jump in? John chapter 21, the final chapter, the almost like uh, addition epilogue. John like finished it up, said, man, this is the whole purpose is that people would know Christ know who he really is, and um, that by believing in Jesus, you would you know, have everything that comes along. You had salvation and eternal life, and that's the whole point of this book, and that's why I recorded everything at the end. Hey, that's, you know, I got a couple more thoughts. That's verse 31. Yeah. It's kind of a mic drop moment, like, close the book, like, yep, and then he goes on another whole chapter. Right, it's like us as speakers sometimes, right? We do it. And that's the end. Just kidding. I have a few more one to say. And in closing... I have four more things I want to say. Maybe see. we should start another podcast, like, is the, the after talk, the Sunday after talk. And I'm just getting rambled oh, yeah. for 15 more like minutes. Netflix, they'll come out with a show, right? Like Stranger Things did that. And then to capitalize on it, like, it's a really big thing. 
now let's sit down and talk about the episode. So the characters will come and be like, hey, what you just saw, you yeah, know, we filmed that, and I get it. And it's like, uh, Wait, what? I'm out on this yeah, kind of no, thing for the most part. I know. It's no, I'm not thing. saying that. I'm saying, like, you just know, hey, I had 20 more minutes to say about it. I had another point I really wanted to squeeze in there. I couldn't there's, do it for time. YouTube does that a lot, right? They'll go, there's a couple, you know, podcasting type YouTube shows that I'll watch. Then they'll go, hey, click this link to go to our other channel, which is like, we just continue to keep talking about. We did the goofy stuff and the funny stuff to make you laugh in our bit, and then we're just going to keep talking for a while. But our video is only 15 minutes, so you can watch it, and then we got like 30 more minutes of us just rambling, just rambling. But I feel like we do enough rambling in this one. Yeah. Like we don't need a second era. Right. Yeah. Second. Some people have. Speaking of rambling, we just said, let's jump in. Some people have told me they have to listen on like times one and a half, times two for us. And then we get into the. Then that, that helps them to like get through the podcast. So then, if you're listening times two, this part right here is going really, really fast. You have no idea what I'm going to say. <laughs> I was going to say, I feel like I'm talking really fast. Here's times half. <laughs> well. Anyways, yes, there we go. That sh we should put this on the other podcast. If you are watching on YouTube, you see Kyle and I are on Team Blue. We're on one couch wearing blue shirts. Oh, Craig's yeah. on the opposite couch wearing a red shirt. Well, dangerous. I don't know what we did there, but we uh, didn't plan that. The jeans are all blue. There we go. You guys are on the dark watch. I'm on the light one. Wow, too much, too much fashion talk on this podcast. I'm trying to help people follow Jesus. I don't okay. know if fashion is part of that. Probably is. Sure. But yeah, 21. Back to 21. Craig? He went fishing. He went fishing. I said it earlier. Mm -hmm. What do we do with setbacks? He, I don't think Peter knows what to do with himself. So he's just like, guys, I don't know what to make of all that's happened. I'm kind of confused. I mean, I, I've got this roller coaster of emotions. I know we've seen the Lord and he's alive, but what do we do now? So he goes back to what he knows. He's a fisherman. Goes back to work. He goes I mean, back to work. Maybe they literally just had to work to. They might have had some bills piling up, you know? Right. They've been following Jesus for three years. He's running the business. And, so we don't and Jesus had a group of people and women that would care for their needs and provide housing and food. And that stuff's just not recorded extensively for us, but we get bits and pieces. So uh, the band broke up. So are the, the caring of the disciples still going on or Jesus is gone? There wasn't this instant political transformation in their city and in their town and the world. And so they're like, uh, I thought you were going to take down Rome and kind of reestablish Judaism, and we would have this massive change socially and economically. Um, you died once again. There was like an earthquake and a storm and the veil, and some stuff for sure happened, and you appeared to us, and our hearts are different. But our everyday life kind of seems the same. Right. So we go back to work. And we know for a fact that that's their mindset because of what's recorded for us in Acts chapter 1. They're even right, like, moments before Jesus descends up into heaven, they're saying, so is this when you're going to do it? Is this the moment when you're going to restore the kingdom and overthrow Caesar? We're being patient. We're, we're now? waiting. Now? Yep. Yeah, and, and John doesn't record this um, as clearly as some of the other um, gospel writers, but the, hey, there's this waiting period. Like, I think most of the time that we think of Jesus' last words to the disciples are like, Go! Start doing things. It's actually like, man, hold up, wait until the Holy Spirit comes. And so I don't know what that looks like if you say that. They're kind of waiting. Like, okay, is he going to do that thing that he said he was going to do? Last time he said he was going to do a thing, he did the thing. So we believe that he's going to do the thing he said he was going to do. So in that waiting period, is they're like, okay, we're waiting for the Holy Spirit to come on us in power to go do what he called us to do. I got to eat lunch. I got to 
I gotta pay the cable bill. Right. Right? Like, I gotta feed the family. Yeah. Take care of the kids. Take care of the extended family. Yeah. So they're, they're uh, sitting in, in some patience, but also wrestling with their purpose, where I mean, they were the guys that not too long ago were being sent out by Jesus and going town by town, proclaiming his good news, and the, the, that heaven is near, the kingdom of God is here, uh, healing people, seeing miracles, casting out demons. Uh, they're like, even the demons respond to us. We talked about that. They're seeing miraculous things, and then all of a sudden Jesus is gone, and they're like, wait, okay. I mean, how many of us listening are, are excellent at waiting and being patient and just sitting in? And then they're like, you know, on that everyday life level going, is this our purpose? It seems kind of mundane. And this is the kingdom of God? Wow, I thought it was snazzier than this, flashier than this. Snazzier? Snazzier? Wow. You don't go snazzier? Okay. Um, so they go out fishing, and they went out all night, because I guess that's what you do when you're commercial fishermen that fishing. Apparently that's the best time to catch fish. I don't know. It, uh, in, in the stories that we have recorded for us, they're invariably out fishing at night, not during the day. Yeah, I'm not a good fisherman, so. And probably cooler, right? Again, mm-hmm. they're in the Middle East, where I don't know what kind of year it is, but probably pretty hot to fish during the middle of the day. Well, probably late spring, right? And they're, they're letting their nets out and then hauling them in by hand. They don't have any uh, equipment, you know, like the fishing boats today have motors and, mm-hmm. you know, they're able to wind up the, the heavy nets with the... Yeah. Remember when we were growing up, you would take us, we'd go weekend camping trips and do a boys' night overnight, stay in the camper, and then we'd fish the next day. And then we would, uh, sometimes we'd rent a boat. In a little aluminum boat, we just get out on one of the local lakes, West Medical Lake or wherever. And the motor rental was extra money. So you're like, I'm, I'm going manual. He's like, this is modern technology. I got boys, they can row, I'll row. And so we would we would row an oar in the four of us or three of us, whoever was on the trip that weekend, and we would just row. And sometimes we would troll that way. So we're trolling for trout as we're rowing. Yeah, or before very frequent times. Oh, but, but I do remember that. To, to get out away from shore a little bit. Crazy, like 10 bucks? I'm saving that 10 bucks. We're going oars. <laughs> We're making it happen, you boys. I just remember like Cool Ranch Doritos would show up on those trips. No other time, really. We'd play what poster at night. remember about those trips? Uh, catching some fish, not catching a lot of fish. Kind of like Disciples here. It wasn't like a plethora. Yep. Uh, it was a good time, so fun. Um, but anyways, just look, the, when you said not modern technology, I was like, oh, I know what that feels like. I remember playing poker. Yeah. After dinner at night in the in the camper, we'd use popcorn kernels or whatever for chips and popcorn kernels, poker together. Toothpicks, toothpicks, whatever you make up for yeah. chips. Maybe two toothpicks, two toothpicks and a bottle of kernel. The high stakes. I'll meet your two toothpicks and raise you a popcorn kernel. Yeah. I mean, it's not like we could have taken five bucks and changed the dimes and nickels. Whoa, whoa, five dollars. That's like half of a motor rental. I know. Slow down. I know. How are we going to get yoked if we're out here? Well, occasionally we would get the motor, and I thought it was luxury life we were living. This yeah, it's an eye life. This fancy technology. So here are the disciples are out fishing. They got nothing. They get what's uh, called scoped, which I have no idea why that term is yeah. used, but you get scoped. Skunked for zero. We get zero. Scoped. So they're out, and then Jesus is on the shoreline, calls out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? Uh, 
That's where you insert great fish story. Oh yeah, we had a huge one, big one, got away. It was all like, kind of right up to the boat, and then it disappeared. I got we were saving fish at one time. My translation says you don't have any fish, do you? Like he already knows he that. Knows that. He can read the body language from 100 yards. Exactly. He goes, I've seen fishermen that look dejected. Yeah, you don't have any. That's you guys. We were saving a fish one time in the ocean. You remember this story? Well, we've done it several times. Uh, yeah, you, you, know, you know the story I'm going down the road oh, on. Oh, you're not yeah. going to tell that story. <laughs> See, you oh, know. no. We were fishing for... This is a good time for you to King pause salmon. the podcast. Fast I, I think I was like high school age, probably. <laughs> we were salmon fishing with my uncle and his boat. and We were catching some fish. And we've been, you're out trolling, and sometimes it's hours and there's not a lot of action. So I get onto this big fish. You know it's a big fish, the rod action. That's probably the biggest. Oh, massive. On, it, it was probably like a 40 pounder. Reeling it in. I oh. bet it was seven or eight. <laughs> yeah, massive. Reeling it in, fighting, 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 getting it close. Craig's on the net. Um, I think Uncle Dale's driving, kind of navigate or something, and keep us all square. We got all the other lines in, reeling in, reeling it in. Craig, Help me with the details. I don't know if you had one one try and it didn't work or just the first one, but he swoops down with the net, totally misses on like a softball setup here, just misses, spoops the fish so bad it just breaks the line and takes off. And we all saw the fish, so it wasn't this, oh, it probably was big. Like we saw this fish turn sideways and just a monster of a fish. And like, there it goes, there goes my salmon. Lost forever. And we have something to talk to my counselor about. Yep, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> But that's how it goes fishing sometimes. And I just want to tell you that the view from under the bus here is just fabulous. <laughs> oh, it's good fishing then. Yep. It's like, hey, Craig, did you land that fish? Don't you have any fish in the boat? Nope. nope. I'm scared yeah, away with the Sure don't. Sure don't. And that, now you, you set it up as a softball opportunity, but I'm not so sure that's accurate. To net that fish? Yeah. Okay, you want to defend you yourself? Really but Go that, ahead. It was a big fish, and big fish are strong, and he was active. He was wiggling yeah, off. It was bigger than the net. It was like 60 pounds. He was just laying there saying, hey, buddy, put the net on you. He's going to go in the boat. He's fighting for his life. Yes, the netting is probably the most skilled position in the boat. Yeah, You're exactly. Right. Ah. All right, you feel better about it? No. How, what other housing questions can I ask in this session we have going right here? Oh, uh, we got some fishing. Stories. Anyway, so so Jesus asked them. Yeah, have all the fishing stories. That's the one you chose to tell. That's a pretty good one. That was a short version. Anyways, <laughs> go ahead, Kyle. So they don't catch anything. And then Jesus, in all in Jesus fashion, tells them to throw their net on the right hand side of the boat, which is reminiscent of um, some of Jesus' earlier calls to his disciples. If you'll remember, um, earlier we called. He has this very similar instance um, where he does this. Almost exactly the same thing. Where um, at that point, the, the disciples know uh, that it's Jesus. And right here, they're still unsure. But they're like, okay. But then Peter um, and, and John, the disciple who Jesus loved, John says to Peter, goes, hey, that's Jesus. That's, the, that's Jesus. It's the Lord. And Simon Peter, like, freaks out because he's Peter. He's excited that it's Jesus. Jumps in the water and goes to Jesus. And I, I, I heard this, and I don't know if this is just because it's the culture that we live in or if this was relevant to them, but in verse 6 when he says, 
throw it over on the right side of the boat and you will find fish. Mm -hmm. And I love the certainty. Like to Craig, your point, Jesus says, you have no fish in your boat. And he was certain about that. Whether he was, he was asking the question or making a statement, either way, he was, he knew the situation. But then he makes with as much certainty, here's how I'll provide for you, throw it over the right side and you will find fish. Uh, there's a promise there that is fulfilled instantly and we can always bank on the certainty of Jesus. Today, we use, as people, our experience with one another is so much like, you know, you might, I probably, you know, could be, you know, I'm just, I'm not quite sure, maybe we should. There's a lot of that hesitancy and uncertainty in our experience with one another. And it's like, is Craig going to come? I don't know, probably, I'm not sure. And then we take that experience because it's just normal, natural. And then we put that on the relationship with God when God goes, no, I got you. You're like, yeah, do you? I kind of heard you say probably, you might, maybe. And then I heard someone at one point say, yeah, your faith's not good. And so there's uncertainty there. Like, will God really provide for you because you don't have enough faith? And so you're on the edge there, buddy. You might not make it. Jesus is certain. He's like, no, I got you. I'll provide for you. You guys are working. And you had a bad day at work. You had no sales. You had no provision. You had nothing to eat. He's going to make breakfast for him. You know? He already has some fish. He does. So yep. he doesn't, there's a whole other thing. God doesn't need your fish to provide for you. But he provides for them. But I love the certainty that Jesus is like, no, it's on the right side, you'll find yourself. Because I'm God and this is how it goes down. And I think that's just comforting, reassuring, that we can just know that God's got us. He provides for us everything that we need with absolute certainty. And we can stand on the promises of God because we're putting our faith in Christ. That's what it means to follow Jesus is uh, to bank on his provision and his strength. Yeah, and we've been talking about this for the last couple of weeks on Sunday mornings, and the thing I love about this is, again, the way it's similar, uh, Luke 5 shares this earlier instance where he's just calling his early disciples, and Jesus already has a name for himself as, as kind of a teacher and a rabbi and a preacher, so he's going around talking, and so they kind of already know who he is, or at least a few of them do. And so this one instance in Luke 5, uh, they had been fishing all night without catching anything, and um, Jesus says in verse 4 of Luke 5, uh, he has finished speaking, he says, now go out where it is deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. And I love Peter's response, he goes, we worked hard all night and didn't catch a thing. Like, we're not newbies, okay, we've done this before, this is our life, we know what we're doing. It's just a bad fishing day or whatever. Um, but, but if you say so, we'll do it, right? If you say so, I'll let down the nets again. And then Jesus obviously knew what he was talking about, fulfills his promise. This is a very similar instance that Jesus' promise, uh, he's a promise maker, he's a promise keeper, this idea that he is faithful to fulfill those things, even when they're like outlandish and crazy. Right? For again, I think of it as a, as a seasoned career fisherman going, hey, no, the other side. It's like, you don't think we've tried this part of the water? You don't think we've been doing this? And how wide's the boat? 12 foot, 10 foot? Yeah. The fish are only on one side. <laughs> they don't cross over. They know where the, yeah. like, the line is. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting comparison to the Luke 5 story. In both cases, Peter throws himself in the water. But in the Luke 5 story, it is because he realizes he's just experienced a miracle that, that's been a demonstration of the power of God in the fish that they caught. And his response is, you need to get away from me, and I need to get away from you, because I'm a sinful man. That's actually recorded in the Luke 5 account. So he's, he's embarrassed and ashamed. 
And, and I think that sometimes that is our response when we're presented with the reality of who God is. Um, sometimes we just shrink away and realize, gosh, I'm seeing, I'm getting a glimpse of who God is in such a way that it just makes me ashamed of, of who I am and what I've done and, and, and where I am in life. And we see that actually Isaiah, the prophet, had a vision of heaven. And he said, woe is me, I'm a man. And he's a prophet. I mean, he has a great relationship with God, being used by God. But when he sees God as he really is a little more accurately in that vision that he has, he says, I'm a man of unclean lips in the midst of a people of unclean lips. John, who's writing this account, has the same experience in Revelation chapter 1. He, he tells of how he gets a glimpse of the glorified, not only resurrected, but glorified Christ. And he falls as, at his feet as a dead man. Because it's just so awe-inspiring. So I, I think, you know, sometimes we, we say, well, you know, I wish Jesus would just show up in person. It'd just be so much easier to follow him and relate to him. No, we don't realize what that would actually yeah. do. That would so, know us. Yeah, we would have more realization of the pride we have, ego, oh, my self-sufficiency, way lack of faith. And then the, just on the other side, less about ourselves, but just the glory of God, the magnificence, the beauty, and how overwhelming it is and without being fully um, restored yet right we're still we're saved and we're forgiven 100 but we haven't fully experienced it because we're not in heaven with christ that would be overwhelming it's just too yeah. much to take in for our human flesh that is not inheriting the kingdom of god but i, I appreciate the the comparison and the contrast between this this instance where jesus or where peter jumped in the water to get close to jesus yeah, he, he has a right. response. He goes, that's the Lord. I, I'm getting in there. Like, I, I kind of picture this as, like, Peter's kind of a guy. At the beginning, it kind of said, Peter was the guy who wanted to go fishing. It was kind of his initiative. I think he's, like, the captain of the boat kind of thing. And he's the guy who jumps in. I love how John said, well, then the rest of us had to make sure the boat got in safe, right? Because this guy just jumped <laughs> off. Bam. Yeah. And so the others stayed in the boat and pulled the load and went to shore. And then, you know, the SS Minnow. Like, where's the captain? Yeah. Maybe he's just a swimmer. Maybe he just likes to swim. Yeah, maybe he's training. Oh, hey, we have John running, Peter swimming. We just need a bicycle in here. We got the, the triathlon. But maybe there is they something. Have the bike. <laughs> I don't know. When was the bicycle invented? Google that. So maybe, way after maybe John is doing so much here where there is the restoration, right? We're in the restoration when Peter has these setbacks and he's Painting another picture of like Peter jumping in the water to come to Jesus because he's so connected to him, as opposed to jumping in and going away from him. And also where he jumps in, goes to the beach. Here's here's a fire Jesus has going, and he's cooking some fish on it. And so they're gonna have this conversation around a fire, where Peter, uh, I don't know, not too long ago, right, a few days ago, was around a fire denying Jesus. Yeah, he was. Right before Jesus got arrested and he snuck into the courtyard and then this junior high girl was like, you're with him, you're a disciple. And he's yeah. like, no, I'm not. And so he's having a different conversation. So he's swimming to Jesus. He's having a fire conversation with Jesus. And then, um, you know, Jesus is is, is going to restore Peter here. And, and we'll get into that. But I love, I love how Jesus just, hey, I mean, he's... He's just standing on the shore, dripping wet, with his coat on and his clothes on. That's a funny picture to me. And there's, he's like, hey, what do you got going on? Your breakfast? Okay. <laughs> right? And they said, we all knew it was Jesus, so we didn't need to say, now, who are you? And like, 
So he just shows up like kind of a smirky grin, I think, in my mind. He's like, so how you doing? Oh, you got breakfast? Jesus Wait, like, who's where's your Peter Peter's smirking? Yeah, Jesus is smirking. No, well, maybe both. Everybody's smirking? Peter's like, I know who you are, but I'm not going to say it, but cool. So you're just hanging out on the beach, but he's just dripping wet with from swimming the 100-yard dash there. And where did Jesus get these fish that were being cooked already at the, the lake? And the bread? I don't know. Uh, where, where did he get the other ones that he multiplied on? Exactly. I mean, Jesus, Jesus, he's yeah. got a time machine. You know, I, I think there's something important not to overlook here um, um, on Peter's experience with Jesus. To your point, Scott. So he, when he denied Christ three times, it, it, the uh, Gospels tell us that he, he left that environment realizing that he'd done exactly what Jesus predicted he would do. And he weeps bitterly. So he's ashamed. He realizes, yeah. man, I'm just, I, I, I denied him. I failed him. I said I wouldn't, and I did. And he's just beating himself up, and he's having a horrible time. Then we see him show up uh, running to the, the tomb with John. But, but then we know that Jesus appeared to Peter. That's all we know is that one of his first things that he did was to appear to Peter. And what happened in that conversation, we don't know. But that happened before this, because mm -hmm. it happened on the day of the resurrection. We know that much. And, and so the restoration that's going to happen in the latter part of this chapter is a continuation of whatever transpired between Jesus and Peter. Can you imagine just a one-on-one -on -one conversation? You, you, you failed him, but you love him. You, you followed him for three years, but you, you did what you never thought you would do. And now he's got plans for you, and he's personally appearing to you and and restoring relationship and removing guilt and shame. It, it, it's an amazing thing to imagine, and it sets the stage for what is in the last half of this chapter. Mm -hmm. And Jesus, again, verse 10, he just takes care of their everyday needs. They worked all night, they didn't caught any fish, and he goes, hey, there's some fish, and now I'm cooking your breakfast, because they just needed a meal. Yep. And, and they, I they, think, they made the cable bill, like Kyle said. Yeah, I think that's so important, and we kind of skip by that and just highlight some of the, of the more miraculous parts, but because um, how does it tra translate to us today? It's like God's fully aware of our everyday life and what we think are just kind of menial or not important things. He's fully aware. He can provide. He's got 100% certainty. Like, he will provide for all of our needs. You seek after the kingdom of God. Uh, you don't have to worry about the cable bill and the housing and the food. He says, look at, look at the birds. I got them covered. They don't think I'll cover you. As a matter of fact, uh, Scott, to your point, let's go back to Luke 5. So um, when, when they have that experience of putting the net down, Jesus says, go out to the deep of water and all that. It follows where uh, Jesus said to Peter, hey, I want to use your boat for a little while. So put it out just a little ways from shore. And he gets into the boat and he teaches. And we don't know for how long. But basically he's tying up. They, they were cleaning their nets and stuff when Jesus comes along. So now he's going to use their boat. And then after he's done teaching the crowd that's on the shore, um, then he says, now go out and, and they caught the, the big catch of fish miraculously. It's like he was paying a rent for the use of the boat. It's like, hey, I know you guys are fishermen and I came in the middle of you cleaning your nets after working hard all night. You don't have much to show for it. I'll take care of you. But first, will you take care of me? Right. Will you serve me? Let me use your boat. Sure, whatever you say. And so they they, they cooperate with Jesus, put first the kingdom, and then he takes care of it. I think it's a great example of exactly what you're saying. Anybody that owns a boat knows if somebody shows up and you, you know, take them out on your boat and then they pay for the gas, you're like, you can come back anytime. 
If they buy a whole tank of gas. Yeah, if they, yeah. The, the five dollar uh, you know, oh, no, no, no. with gas. No, that's yeah. That's what I'm saying. Is uh, especially like on a large speedboat, like oh, you know, fill that sixty gallon tank. You can come back anytime you want. Not to be like, hey, can I buy your boat? Can I buy your boat? Yeah, a lot of those people. You got to go. Hey, uh, you use the boat this weekend? Uh, yeah, yeah. Jesus, like, oh, hey, Peter, uh, you using that thing? Yeah, you're not using it, buddy. Yeah. Oh man, that's a, yeah. We can get lost on, <laughs> on boat stories. Just if you want a good time, like, go to a busy boat launch in the middle of the summer oh. on a Saturday afternoon. And just pull up, pull up, get a chair out, and drink. My dad just watch. My dad's friend that literally legitimately do that at the Liberty Lake boat launch. It's for like comic relief. It's Saturday afternoon on a summer day around the Northwest. And the Liberty Lake boat launch used to be terrible. You know, yeah. Now that I think of it, that does remind me of another boat launch. Oh, story. no, we got to move line. along. He's, go, he's coming back my way. Uh, he's coming back my way. Let's see now. All right. Are you I'm trying to Scott into the boat? Yeah, I broke exactly. a few things on a boat launch before. I'm in the boat waiting for you to back the trailer down the ramp so we can load the boat up. And he's driving my pickup truck with the trailer. And what, what happened, Scott? Uh, I'm blaming Zach. He was my spotter. And he didn't say a word. And he jacked and jacked and jacked and the trailer. I was 16. I got my license three Two weeks or three weeks before this incident. Oof. And then Craig's like, because I asked him, I was like, let me go get it. Maybe he begged me. I probably did. Yeah. Like, I can back it up because I've been driving cars and doing stuff for, anyways. Yeah, a goof. Real good. Real good, Scott. Anyways, so back to the Jesus follow of Jesus. So I wanted to get to when Jesus is having this conversation with Peter in verse 15, he starts it, he says, Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he's going to do that three times in uh, just response to the three times that G uh, Jesus, or Peter was asked, do you know Jesus with him? He goes, no, no, no. And so then Jesus is putting this out there, and Peter eventually, he gets his feelings hurt because he's been asked so many can times. We, can we pause there on verse 15? Yeah, that's where I want to okay. yeah, jump off. And, you know, that Jesus is asking him, do you, do you love me, is a really deep, profound question. And, and what's he, what are the these, the people around him? The other disciples. The fish yeah, here? No, it's, it's the other disciples, and it's because Peter said on numerous occasions, hey, even if these guys deny you, I never will. Hey, even if these guys don't follow you, I'm going to follow you. I'm all in. Yeah, he always made the claim that he was all in. And in fact, it was him making that claim right before Peter's, or, uh, Jesus said to Peter, hey, buddy, I, I know you think you're all in, but before the rooster crows, you're going to deny me. That was Jesus' response to Peter doing that very thing. Like, I'm all in. Yeah. And he really was all in. That was his heart, but he, he didn't realize his own weaknesses and limitations. So I think that's why Jesus starts there. He said, well, not basically, Peter, you told me again and again that you'd love me more than all the other disciples. Is that really true? Mm -hmm. And, and, he, and it's three times that there's the question and the answer because of what's going on with the Greek words there, too. I'm sure you're aware of that. Is that where you were going to go, Kyle? No, I was, I, I was going to hit what you just did. Well, the importance of, or the significance of him asking, because the second couple, couple times it's recorded, it's just, do you love me? That's like an easier question. Like, yeah, of course. Like, do you love me more than everybody else? Are you at the top of the list? Like, like you have claimed to be, and like you have, I mean, You've made some amazing statements, and we know, you know, from the history of what's going to happen after this moment that Peter is one of, if not the most diehard Jesus follower, and can do whatever it takes to help other people. And I think for those reasons, 
you know, Jesus is doing this, but I just find it interesting that he's asking him, not, not just do you love me. That's a way easier question. Like, like if you trust God, if you were to go to your kids, but hey, do you love me more than your brother and your sister? Like, can you definitively tell me that you are better at loving me than everybody else in this household? Like, that's a tougher question, right? And that's a more weighty question to Peter. And, and Jesus makes that comparison in other places that we would love God so much that in, in comparison, which we shouldn't even compare, but in comparison, that it almost seems like it feels like we hate the people around us because we have so much love to God. You know, that's why Peter's weeping after he has the setback of denying Christ and the reality of what's going on in his world. He's like, he heard, he heard God. Like, he heard God's feelings. He yeah. broke God's heart. He broke Jesus' heart where he got... In, abandoned and so he's in this restoration you know he's gonna get his feelings hurt because he's probably reliving some of that moment but he has this setback and jesus on verse 19 just says okay you're in you're in you're in awesome excellent follow me yeah he says follow me like have you not been following me and i just today i was thinking man you know we're looking for a lot of us are looking for a detailed plan and what God, God's plan for us is, and it has a detailed, linear timeline, one, two, three steps. And Jesus has always given us a great purpose. And the purpose is, if you love me, feed my sheep. If you love me, follow me, love me, love other people. And there's so much latitude within that. To live into this great big purpose that God has for us. That's great. That's what it means to follow me, is to follow this purpose in life. I think a lot of us get held up on taking action in life because of setbacks. We have the self-loathing like, oh my goodness, I failed, I'm miserable, God won't help use me, like I'm the loudmouth one and now I said I don't follow him. And then he goes on to lead the church and he goes on to let the good news out around all the town and around the country and encourages so many others to take the good news around the world. And so... What if he stopped at that setback point and we, he did oh. continue to follow Jesus, right? Continue to show back up and say, okay, God, no, I'm here now, though. I will follow you and live into this, this big purpose and not get hung up on all of the setbacks, learn from it, move forward, but then also not get hung up on waiting for a detailed plan. Um, Jesus like, here's purpose. Be empowered by the Spirit. Go tell others the good news and serve them along the way. Like, well, should we go here or here? Yeah. Sure, either one. Yeah. I made that reference to uh, the Greek words there, and I, I want to have our listeners uh, be clear on that. So when Jesus asked Peter, do you love me, he used the word agape, which is a deep and profound kind of love, a, a God sort of love. It's the word that's used when referencing the love of God. It's the word agape in the Greek. And Peter responded using the word phileo. And in our English language, that would be like... Uh, Somebody saying, well, do you love me? And I said, oh, yeah, for sure I have affection for you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, do you love me? Well, sure, I have affection for you. And then the third time, Jesus switches the words, and he uses the phileo words. Like, that's what he's getting from Peter. So he says, all right, Peter, do you phileo me? Yes, I phileo you. Then tend my sheep, follow me. He, he, he wants, he's hoping that Peter will say, yes, I agape you. But Peter's not there yet. It, it's, he's on this journey of being restored. But he certainly does phileo the Lord, has, has deep affection for him. And so Jesus just says, all right, great. But then on the basis of that, that's enough. You follow me. 
And then later on, of course, Peter, you know, the restoration is complete. And Peter, you know, loves, with agape love, loves the Lord and follows him until the day of his death. Which, by the way, Jesus foreshadows here. You know, we, we want a plan, we want a detailed roadmap of our, our yeah. life. Well, Peter didn't get anything but exactly how he was going to die. Which was a pretty picture. And that's, so that's, that's not how you get, you signed up for that? Yeah, I mean, we, do you want to know how your life actually ends and how you die and all the things are going to happen? I think we're better off not knowing. But but Jesus gives him that one little glimpse. And he said, well, let me just tell you a little bit about what's in front of you. Yeah. You're going to be martyred. But how many of us get hung up on waiting for a plan, waiting for the next step? I'm just waiting. And God's going, your move. Like all of heaven's going, your move. I just had a conversation. Like, follow me. Like, over to you. Like, yeah, I'm just waiting. Yep. Wait for God to show me. Not that we'd be reckless and careless and I have wisdom. But I think more often than not, God's going, yeah, just go ahead and take a chance. Uh, you have access to unlimited resources. I have a lot of certainty on like providing for you. I will take care of you. Uh, you, you need wisdom? Bam, got it for you. Um, you know, there's so much that God is providing. He's going, go for it. And we're like, I'm waiting for the detailed plan. He's like, here's a purpose. Live into that purpose each and every day. Um, I think it would just be so much more living a full life than the light. Live into the light is to like live into this understanding of a big purpose versus a big detailed plan. I love that point, Scott, because I think Jesus kind of does both here, right? Because he, he knows Peter well enough. And it's like, if this isn't enough, here's some details. And that's still not enough for Peter. He's like, well, what about him? Uh, uh, detail it out for me there. Like, uh, that's so, such a good thing. <laughs> right. yeah, Peter and John again go yeah. back and forth. <laughs> so you've already given me this, like, just beautiful purpose of like, okay, if you love me, prove it, and here's a purpose. Here's, here's, we have a personal relationship, here's a beautiful purpose for your life that's going to extend you on into your future in this beautiful journey of life with me, and it's what we know from him it is, and then there's like this more detail there that's like, well, that's not enough, here's some specific stuff, and then Peter's like, okay, can we go deeper? What about the other people around me? Give, detail it out here for John. And Jesus basically is like, why you got to worry about that? I already gave you so much for you. Stay in your life, and you have enough for you to do it and kill it and make it amazing. Yeah, comparison's a poem. There's no win in comparison. When we compare our journey in our life with others, it's not. it never works out for anybody. Yeah, that's so true. And we did a series around that whole thing called Comparison Trap and talked about how it is a trap. If you compare yourself to people that are not as well off or, or not as blessed or fortunate or whatever, then you feel artificially superior and, and vice versa if you compare to other people. It's just a trap. It's a no-win, and, and we should avoid it. But Peter's doing exactly that. And, and, you know, we have, that's human nature. We tend to have this rivalry in our heart with our peers. You know, it, it, when kids are growing up, it's called sibling rivalry, but it, it carries on into adulthood as well. And it's interesting here. Um, I, I think Jesus' response to Peter was, was even stronger than we, we might think. He goes, Peter goes, well, what about this guy pointing to John? And Jesus basically said, that's none of your business. Yeah. I think it was that strong. It's like, poke your nose out of his business. Yeah, because it's, it's not helpful for anybody. It's, it's not but, helpful. He, but he wraps it back around to the purpose again, right? Like, don't worry about this. I'm already giving you this. And that's, Scott, back to your point. I think sometimes we're like, oh, I don't know what God wants me to do. And I don't know the direction, where's the path, and light up the gold brick road for me to go down. And we look at Jesus like, no, I've given you some beautiful purpose. It's pretty darn clear. If you stick to that, you're going you're gonna to do well. And then we look to our right and go, well, what about what they're doing? Is that what I'm supposed to be doing? And Jesus is like, 
don't worry about it. I've given you purpose, and you have it, and lean into that, and explore that, and seek Jesus out for that, and what it looks like for you to find and follow Jesus, to help other people find and follow him. And so often we get in this comparison trap. Yeah. And I, I said it this way the other day, and I, I love this, that um, a comparison will either make you feel superior or inferior. There's never a middle road. You'll either feel way more important than you are, than you, than you should think, right? Or you'll just feel like trash. And you're always going to be in one of those ways if you compare yourself to other people. You're never going to go like, eh, just as good as Scott. Either gonna, I'm going to look and like, no, I'm way better, or I'm way worse. Yeah, it's just not a healthy place to be. When I look to Jesus and see my purpose, I have a healthy understanding of who I am yeah. and what I've been called to do and the giftings that I have that will equip me to fall in better. And that's where I should look. There's another or, layer or to this exchange here that I think is worth noting. And that is that uh, what Peter says, he says in response to the fact that his death was just predicted or prophesied by Jesus. And, and so he says, what about this man? He's saying, well, if I'm going to die that way, how's he going to die? is part of his thinking, if not the main thing is thinking. We know that because Jesus' response is this. If I want him, meaning John, to remain until I come, what is that to you? In other words, I just predicted your death. You're going to be a martyr. If he's still alive when I come back, that's none of your business. Now, the, the thing that happens there then is that people hear that and they misunderstand it. And, it, and the scripture tells us that. It said that as a result of that, the saying went out among the brethren that that disciple, John, would not die. Yet Jesus did not say to him that he would not die, but only if I want him to remain until I come. What is that to you? So they took what he said and misunderstood it, twisted it just a little bit, and got a rumor going that apparently prevailed for quite a while. And we do that often. If, if we're not careful and we don't pay close well, attention. People grab God's words and twist them and don't understand. Yeah, exactly. That, uh, yeah. Was that sarcasm? I just that a lot of sarcasm. Yeah, but, but that's my point is that if, if you know, it happened in the garden when uh, the serpent tempt, tempted Eve, he said, did God say that you shall not eat of this fruit nor touch it? God said nothing about touching it. He just said, don't eat it. And, and just those little tweaks of God's word can get us into huge trouble. And, and it happens here again because it's human nature. We hear what we want to hear and we only hear part of it and we run with that. We didn't, yeah. didn't really listen carefully. No. Yeah. So for me, I was thinking like, what do I do when you know, have setbacks. So uh, just this good news of Jesus, wanting to get it out in lots of different ways uh, and being more, you know, creative and different platforms. So I started a blog a couple of years ago and I was like, oh, I just feel like I need to write some stuff and did, did a bunch of writing and uh, got a website and built that up and got a social media account and Instagram account and started putting it out there and it just didn't have a lot of traction. It was one of those things like, but I feel like God's saying to like, go this way, like the purpose of my life to get the good news of Jesus out and make this would be a way to help people connect with God and do something different in their life and be transformed. Uh, and one of the blog ideas, I have the notebook that I've taken some of the notes in was one of the blog ideas that I wrote about was just being okay with who you are and to live it out and have confidence in who God's made you and not get caught up in looking, comparing left and right. And so I shut the blog down, canceled the website, didn't renew it when my domain name renewal came up and, you know, just shut it all down because it just wasn't getting traction. You're like, okay, well, I guess I'm not supposed to get the good news out. I guess that's not what I'm supposed to do in life. It didn't work out. It wasn't this uh, magical viral thing. And, you know, I don't even know if it helped anybody or 
right? You know, you're just like, what do I do when you have a setback? Um, I don't know, you jump on the next thing of the purpose. Pivot. No, I'm not gonna say that word. But like start a podcast. And we didn't start it, I didn't start it to like restart a blog thing, but it just, hey, I wanna get this idea of everyone's uniquely gifted in Christ, you're hardwired. We talked about it the last few months as our staff team, we just did a staff meeting yesterday about it and um, talked about it on the podcast here. That's what it means to follow Jesus is like, Jesus is like, Peter, I got this for you. You do you, buddy. You guys are doing it together. We are designed to collaborate and work together, but um, Peter, don't get caught up looking over what John's doing and work together, but don't get sucked into the comparison trap and know and be okay with who you are and the grace that God's given you and your purpose and your dreams. And you're going to face setbacks along the way, but um, keep following Jesus and living to that big purpose. Don't get caught up in a big detail plan because if you get to step seven and then step eight doesn't happen, then the whole plan's screwed up. And that's sometimes how we live life. God's going, no, that's not how you're designed to, to go. There's more of a big purpose and to keep dreaming and keep uh, pursuing Jesus. That's what it means to follow him, to live a full life. There's, you step into the more meaningful and fulfilling work in that way. God designed work for you as a person. I know we're getting ready to wrap it up, but uh, apparently we've just wrapped up the Gospel of John. I, I think we got to the end there of chapter 21, and the question I have, and probably a lot of our listeners do too, is what's next, Scott? What is next? We will stay tuned. We should probably just talk about it off air here. And figure stay out tuned. Next stay week. Tuned. Next week. Yeah. Is that a cliffhanger? We yeah, gotta, like, that's what you got to do. You got to end the episode keep them coming back. Oh, but you know what the best is? When you talk about like the after shows of the show, you talk about the shows, the little uh, end scenes in Marvel Marvel movies where they show you a clip of like the next oh, movie yeah. the next storyline. Those are, I love no, those. No, it's those like on TV when they go like, and here's what happens next week. I'm always like, ignoring that Lindsay, my wife, she has will, to know. She's like, whoa, 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 don't stop. I got to know what happens. I'm like, it's not going to help you. Yeah, you live in this suspense for yeah. a long time. Yeah. Sometimes it's like the end of a season. You're like, you got like nine months to yeah. just think about like, is Jane going to get together with Bill? I don't and know. And then you forget about it. Like, uh-huh. you're, oh, yeah. Living this suspense. You got yeah. Well, let's cool. say they'll it's find out. It's going to be a short thing. Oh, there's it's a It's going to be a short thing. Okay. It's not going to take us 52 weeks or 40. I think this is episode 46. It's not going to take us 46 episodes. So it's not the 60-some chapters of Isaiah? Oh, we're not doing that at all, Craig. <laughs> all you right. can start your own podcast. No. I'm relieved to hear you say that. Called Craig Solo. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, I hope today has been helpful for you in uh, following Jesus, and maybe you encounter some of those setbacks and pers- pers- keep pursuing Jesus because he's full of grace and love. There's always forgiveness and restoration, and he wants to use us way more than we even want to be used by him. He's always looking for us to do amazing things. You've you got gifts and talents that the world needs. Uh, they need to hear about the good news of Jesus, and you have a significant part to play in that in helping people to find and follow Jesus. So don't overlook the, the things that God has for you today. Take advantage of all of the encounters you have, relationships, in order to proclaim the good news of Jesus to people around you. So. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next week on the podcast. You can help people find and follow Jesus by subscribing to the podcast, sharing it with some friends, and leaving a review so it's easier for others to find it.